The Anton Savage Show Sunday. Brought to you by PwC. Combining talent and technology, we're hardwired to find solutions. On News Talk. Among obstetric gynecologists, my next guest is definitely the funniest. He wrote an astonishingly successful best-selling memoir and has gone on to do it again with another one as well as a series of children's books and a TV show made out of the memoir. He is Adam Kay. Adam, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am very good. Um, your The original book, of course, was the, the story, this is going to hurt, was the story of, of your experiences as a, an OBGYN. And I've always been curious as to why you went that route. Because I learned from reading your book that had you been an orthopaedic surgeon, you could have gone through life unintellectually taxed without ever having anything in the way of stress, hammering happily on people's bones. Why did you pick Hobbs and Guiney? Oh, poor orthopaedic surgeons. Well, it was um, you that taught I, me that. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a few reasons I went into it. First of all, um, it's the only specialty where you end up with more patients than you start with. Uh, which sounds flippant, but it also means that it's a generally joyous place. Healthy people come in and all things being well, leave happy and it's the most magical moments of their life. And, you know, you'd have to have the heart of absolute stone for that not to, you know, be an enjoyable place of work. And it's such a privilege to do that. Um, that I mean, that's what I generally say. There's also, there's also another slight reason, which is when I was a student and I was doing my, uh, you know, you do an attachment in each of the different specialties, I realised it's... It, it's not one of the hardest ones to do. You only have to learn how to do three or four different procedures for various ways to get a, you know, a, a, a baby out. And sort of once you've nailed that, like something like, you know, neurosurgery, not a chance. Something like, you know, like cardiology, all those different conditions it could possibly be. I sort of reasoned that it was it was within my intellectual capabilities. Well, I, I didn't think this is a sentence I would ever say on air, Adam, but I'm no expert in the female anatomy, but my understanding was that it was relatively complicated, no? It's, uh, I mean, childbirth is obviously, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm the slightly denigrating my old specialty. Childbirth is obviously an extremely complicated uh, procedure, but when the doctor gets called in it's generally because things have got a bit stuck and the baby needs to come out and there's only a certain number of ways that can happen which is you know forceps von Tuss and cesarean section and once you've mastered those it's the the job becomes a case of working out when to intervene and do those and uh, and I got fairly good at them I did a, probably delivered a couple of thousand babies and uh, yeah and you know and the good days were great but the bad days were obviously awful do you ever meet any of the babies that you have? Sorry, the reason I ask this is because I remember years ago I had a, a person on the show um, and they were running slightly late. They were cutting it a bit fine and they, they were an, an obstetric gynecologist. And when they walked in, they said, sorry, I was just delivering a baby. You think as excuses go, you know, I was just guiding human life into the world. You can't exactly <laughs> resent that. So that significance, do you look back at the thousands you delivered and ever think, well, there's a, a 10 year old, a 12 year old, a 13 year old that I shepherded into the world? Um, so I hadn't for a while. Um, and then this started happening about a year ago. So I, you know, I go on tour and I do my comedy show and then afterwards, uh, I, I, I'll normally sit in the foyer and, and sign, sign books because some people like that. And I'm now up to three times that people have come up to me and said, well, you're not going to remember whoever, Susan, uh, but you delivered her 17 years ago or whatever. Oh, what? That's amazing. Um, but also, 
depressing that I'm old <laughs> enough that a paying member of my audience uh, is someone who I... So, but maybe it's a good business model, actually. It's an ingenious business model. As long as you keep bringing your own audience into existence, you can't lose. So explain to me then the the desire to depart, because in, in your first book you write, I mean, one of the things about your first book that is so striking, there are, there are a couple of elements of your first book that are very striking. Those who have read it will never look at Fireman Sam the same way. But putting that to one side, one of the really striking bits is, is the ending and the, there's a, a chapter of just desperate sadness and pathos. And it sort of explains your decision to depart. Have you since regretted that decision at all? Um, yes, I think I have. Um, for, for people who haven't read the the book, you know, but just before I was saying that, you know, talking about the, you know, the, when the good days are good, they're good, but when the bad days are bad, they're very bad. And this was one of the the worst possible days. I was the most senior um, doctor working on a labour ward. All we ever want from every case, of course, is a healthy mum and a healthy baby. And it was one of these awful situations where we ended up with with neither. And I sort of realised that I couldn't cope. I wasn't supported particularly well, but more importantly, I didn't have the you know the emotional armour to to deal with it. And um, and I stepped away, which I thought was only going to be for a few months, and it ends up being a very long time indeed. But I don't regret that decision I made because I think had I continued working as uh, a doctor on that labour ward, I would have not been a good doctor to the the mums I was looking after because I would I would have been overcautious. I'd have never wanted anything bad to ever happen again, and I would have intervened too much and doing too many you know, procedures, operations is, is as bad as not doing enough. It's, you know, over, over, over cesarean ing is, you know, is, is being a bad obstetrician. You then, when you had made the decision to depart, you wrote the memoir. At what point did you begin to get the sense that the memoir was going to be the phenomenon that it came? Because it, it spent, I think, more than a year on the, the Sunday Times bestseller list. It sold more than three million copies. It got made into a, a TV series. Very few people's books have that kind of success. Yeah, it's, yeah it, it, it definitely did a lot better than uh, certainly I was expecting, certainly my publishers were expecting. Um, I, it's difficult to know when the moment was. So, you know, I've before the book came out, I was like a jobbing TV writer, right? An episode of this or that or the other, and so I, I'd sort of existed in the media. And lots of my mates had written books, and I knew what happens. You go to a book launch uh, in a bookshop. We drink one glass of warm white wine. <laughs> uh, then uh, everyone says how great the book is. It sells two hundred and twelve copies, and you never speak of it again. So. That, I'd, I'd sort of accepted that was what was going to happen, but I was pleased to publish my book because I was I, I wanted to get out in the open the, a, a particular point about doctors being human beings and you know you know looking after the people who look after us and you know through this sort of slight lens of comedy. So I was happy to do it for my two hundred and twelve copies. Um, it wasn't an immediate hit. The hardback did well, but it was never like number one. It was loitered around in the charts. But when the paperback came out, for whatever reason, well, I, which I 
I, I suspect the reason is the number of, sort of disgusting stories, um, but oh, at, at the lower price point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at, at that point, it just jumped in at number one, and it uh, and it and it refused to move for for, for a, a while. And, uh, and the publishers were, I could sense the surprise in their emails <laughs> when they when and then and it got translated into like thirty eight languages or something, and it was. Stuff was happening that quite clearly wasn't expected. It was very welcome, but it was it was definitely not what anyone thought was going to happen. What audience did you end up with? Because I a while ago was uh, chairing a conference that involved a lot of medics, and I made a reference to your book, and I said, I don't know if you've read this, but um, Adam Kay's book is going to hurt. And the sort of the ripple of nods that went through the room was sort of like, yes, he is our L. Ron Hubbard. It was like you were a prophet <laughs> for them. Is, is it them that come? Is it like is it other medics who want to be seen and heard who come to your your shows um that i would say and i and i think i think i've got a fairly precise handle on this i would say about one in ten of my audience are of some from the some healthcare uh, professions and i know this because my last tour this is going to hurt. Um, I played it to about 300,000 people, which is a lot of people. And by the law of averages, if you see 300,000 people over a long evening, a few of them are going to just randomly have medical emergencies. And so the, the show's been stopped a few times over, over, all of those, uh, over all of those tour dates. And then, you know, let's go up and I say, sorry, are there any, <laughs> are there any doctors there? Um, <laughs> hoping against hope there's going to be someone who's practiced medicine more recently than me. And you, there is no safer place in that particular city to be in that audience. Because, you know, uh, you know, you can the precise medical specialty you want is available. You know, so many doctors stand up. We're like, oh no, I think we need a gastroenterologist. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned having been a jobbing TV writer. Is are there episodes of shows that you can claim? Are you like Conan O'Brien and the Monorail and the Simpsons? Is there is there some seminal? I don't know, Will and Grace that you can say I did that one. I really wish there was. You know, if you think you're overestimating how good I was when I say I was a, I was a, I was a writer. I, um, it was. If you look at my IMDb page, it's like a random scattering of the of, of shows from someone who, who had no idea what they wanted. It wasn't that I had no idea what I wanted to do. It's when you're starting out in that business, you will take any job that someone offers you because most writers spend their time not writing or certainly not being paid for it. So I'd, I'd be working on like a, a random game show with Len Goodman and then I'm going on to some chat show and then I'll be going on to some sitcom that no one watched. And uh, But yeah, but it was, uh, it was a job and I was grateful for it. Although did you, I'm did you more grateful that I'm out of it. Well, actually, hang on a minute. Just, just having a look through here, I see... Bli- you you worked on Blind Date? Did I? Yes, I did. Yeah, but obviously, <laughs> ob- obviously the obviously the reboot. Not well, yeah, the, you're uh, not old enough to have been around with Scylla, but nonetheless, it's Blind Date, Adam. That's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> what else have we got? RX Wife, Bounty Hunters. What was Bounty Hunters? What was Bounty Hunters? I think, were you, I think were was you a, conscious and sober through your own career? Adam? <laughs> <laughs> it was. I, <laughs> If you're not careful, I'm going to start asking you questions about people you've interviewed. <laughs> um, that was a, that was a, that was an excellent sitcom on Sky. I think Bounty Hunters was. 
So the the other thing that I worry about from your perspective, because obviously I give an awful lot of thought to your life and career. Little, little else occupies me in my quiet time. <laughs> but I was thinking, you spend, I think, I don't want to, to underestimate it, but I think, what, two to three years working as a, an obstetric gynecologist? Out of I was... I was, uh, I guess, six, seven years. On oh, the I'm sorry. I, I compressed you right? too much. Okay, right. Six, seven years. But you've managed to run a sort of a, a three times metric on that. So you've gotten three times that duration in a career out of writing about it. What happens when you run out of anecdotes? Do you have to go become a lawyer? I'm thinking priest. <laughs> I think you may have some hurdles to cross on that route, Adam. <laughs> 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 but it is it must be a challenge though because people I assume your publishers you talked about the success that you had the publishers must look at you and go go on go on give us another one in that vein because there is an audience for it there, there was there was very much there was very much that um but I was keen I mean the truth is for this is going to hurt I didn't hold back loads of gold that I want, you know, with, with the thought that I'm going to have, I'm going to have to write five books. I wrote, this is going to hurt, which, uh, you know, and I chose my diary entries that I thought were the, were the, were the, the best ones. And lots of them got, uh, got uh, sort of cut by the editor for various reasons. Though I'd worked loads of Christmas shifts. So um, uh, my editor, Francesca, pulled out about 20 uh, stories from Christmas because she says this is weird. It feels like a Christmas book. Um, and then uh, after this is going to hurt, did well. Those reappeared as a sort of mini Christmas book on their own. And uh, lots of stories uh, they thought were too similar or too penisy or whatever or, too, <laughs> or, or cross whatever cross whatever line of two. There, there, there were a number that were just. They said this cannot go in a book. And then after this is going to hurt. Um, uh, came out. I had a bit more clout, and so uh, so now it's slightly harder for to say to say to me delete this because uh, I've gone power mad. So, but yeah, you're right. So my next book, Undoctored, um, whilst it does have um, you know stories from the wards, it's also got stories from medical school, which is something that wasn't ever in. This is going to hurt, and it's also got a lot of. Stuff from after medicine, not boring stuff about being a writer, no one cares about that, but I, quite a few times I've been a patient, and doctors make very, very bad patients. That's a slight spoiler. And uh, so um, uh, I, I talk a bit about that. But uh, but I think beyond that, I've I've exhausted the well of like my, my good story. So there's not going to be, this is going to hurt too, um, even, oh, yeah, but even, even <laughs> when did we get that that revealing behind the scenes memoir of your time on the Blind Date reboot? That's that's the one that we're all <laughs> holding on for. the The one thing though that is it's in um, this is going to hurt. It's in Undoctored, and by the way, the full title Undoctored: The Story of a Medic Who Ran Out of Patients is the uh, one that Adam was referring to there. The Undoctored and uh, this is going to hurt. They both include moments of huge personal revelation and huge rawness. Now, they're, they're, they're interspersed among some of the genuinely funniest passages that I think I, I have read in recent years. But that level of personal revelation, that level of, of, of openness, why do you do it? Because presumably you could just make the jokes a gag fest from start to finish. I could do. Um, there, there's a version of all my books which is just the comedy. There's a version of my live shows, which is just the comedy. My live show is 90% comedy, but also 10% 
you know, something to talk about when you're on your way, you know, back home on the tram, on the train, on the wherever. Um, because I think that an art, if this doesn't sound too, I don't know, uh, make me sound too weird, uh, an, an artist, even a, a low art, like a comedian, has a responsibility to try and do something useful with their words. And I, that's what I try to do, get people in with a comedy, make them have a nice time, but still have something to chew over and think about. And, uh, and I think I achieved that with, this is going to hurt. It was, you know, it, I hadn't, I, if I'd have called it a harrowing polemic about the life of an NHS doctor, <laughs> I'd have told about nine copies. Um, but I, you know, but I told people it was a comedy and it sort of is, but at the same time, there's a sadness and there's stuff I wanted to say, you know, about how the, the, the job impacts the, the human. And similarly with, with, Undoctored, um, there's a lot about, I write a lot about how doctors don't open up and how that's damaging, more than damaging. Doctors have some of the very highest suicide rates uh, amongst any profession. Um, and I don't know, I just, I think it's important sometimes to, to write something that isn't necessarily the most comfortable thing to do on the hope that it might help someone in whatever way in by the end of, of this is going to hurt it is evident that you were you were an unhappy doctor at the point at which you departed it are you a happy comedian i i'm a i'm a happy person i think um i've uh i've got two children who are one years old and um that has the most extraordinary effect on your life, good and bad. But the net uh, result is extremely good. And I think I'm the most happy and settled and I've got the most direction that I've ever had. I still don't have a work-life balance because... Uh, but it's now my fault rather than being able to blame the NHS for my shifts because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing books and I'm on the road and uh, I'm uh, full-time uh, doing feeding and washing and more washing and then more feeding and playing and then feeding. So, um, but yeah, I'm busy but happy. Well, on the topic of that work-life balance, if you want to see Adam in concert, you can see him in... High Wycombe, Bromley, Truro, Brighton, Cambridge, Norwich, Newcastle, Bath, Cardiff, Kingston, Von Thames, Bradford, Oxford, Guildford, Burnmouth, Cheltenham, Southend, Chester, York, Birmingham, Glasgow and Leicester. And if you don't feel like getting on a ferry, he's going to be in Dublin, 7th of February in the Borgosh Energy Theatre. And if you're up north, he's in the Ulster Hall in Belfast on Thursday, the 8th of February. Adam Kay, great pleasure to talk to you. You too. Thanks so much for having me. The Anton Savage Show. Brought to you by PwC. Sunday mornings from 10. On News Talk.